Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 135. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Do we should have better. outtakes at some point. If we weren't giving Johnny like 30 <laughs> seconds to edit this, I would ask him. Sorry, Johnny. Okay. We should just Every let this ready. roll. We should just like have this be the opening. <laughs> okay. I'm not I'm even joking. No, if you're hearing it. this, listeners, it's not a mistake. We just it's decided to give Johnny the I week just, off. <laughs> I can't. I don't know how to read high numbers. Okay. Okay. Try again. Do over. Hey, everybody. And welcome to episode... 135 of the Mom Hour. <laughs> I am Megan Francis here as always with Sarah Powers. And if you're a new listener, we don't usually start out cracking up, but I have a real problem. <laughs> Ever since we crossed over into more than 100 episodes, I can't figure out how to say it. You guys, Megan's a really smart, savvy person. This is just like a, you know, we all have our hangups. It's a mental it's, block. I is. feel like one, three, like, I feel like 135 does not give it the gravitas that it deserves. But I, I'm not sure that us giggling through our intro gives this show the gravitas it deserves. Okay. Either. 135 sounds very pompous. Yeah. 135 sounds like a robot, but I kind of like it. So anyway, hey, everybody, it's the holiday and we are having yeah, it's fun the day today. after Christmas. <laughs> it's Hopefully. The day after Christmas when you're listening you to this. Had a great or Christmas. Soon after. <clears throat> and, um, Today we're doing something that we like to do every now and then, and we actually, this is a part two, um, our last week, we also did this. We took listener questions and answered them on air, which is always a lot of fun because people send us really great questions and very detailed, and I love the peek into our listeners' lives and yeah. their issues. I love the going down kind of memory lane. Yeah. Sometimes it brings me back to a place I haven't been in a long time. Well, and, and sometimes our advice is as simple as like, oh, yeah, that sucks. Hang in there with that one. Right. Exactly. But, That's not going to get better for a while. But but I think it's helpful for everybody to hear what everybody's going through. It also allows us to touch on a lot of different 
parenting topics in a short amount of time in different age ranges. So we definitely have some different age, kid age questions for this episode. So Mm, yeah, it'll be fun. Last week's was all holiday related. Um, I will say if you are still in holidays, Christmas is behind us, but if you're still in like family vacation mode um, and if your kids are already fighting over the toys they got yesterday, go back and listen to last week's show because there's a lot that has to do with kind of overbearing in-laws and like the whole, the whole rigmarole so yeah it's not all prep it's definitely no it's like in the holiday season yeah when you're in it yeah yep megan the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor factor Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. All right, so should I jump into our first question? Let's do it. Okay, here it goes. This question is coming to us from, I want to say it's Mason. Yes, it's Mason. I actually followed up to ask her because I did not want to butcher her name. She wrote us a very sweet letter. So it's just pronounced Mason. Oh, just Mason. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Mason. Okay, here's the question. Hey, Megan and Sarah, I am 35 weeks pregnant with a baby girl and have a two-year-old little boy. In the past week, he started jumping up out of bed, coming out of his room, and standing at the top of the stairs multiple times after bedtime. 
I started a bedtime routine with him when he was five weeks old and have really stuck with it ever since. He's always been so amazing with bedtime, so this has thrown us for a loop. We've tried everything, silently putting him back to bed, turning all the lights and TV off to make it look like we're in bed too. <laughs> Love that. Um, <laughs> we've tried letting him sit up there for 10 or 15 minutes, but we always have to go back up to get him in bed. He'll eventually stay in bed after about an hour of this, and there's no rhyme or reason as to what actually finally makes him stay there. Any advice? I'm really worried that when his little sister comes, this is going to get far worse. Help. Oh, okay. Mm. Can I go okay. first? I have yeah, so much to do. say. First okay. of all, they the toddlers, they have a spidey sense for when a, a new baby is about to come. Did you? Do. I don't know if you remember this, but they know something is changing. It's like how a dog knows an earthquake is coming or something. Like they and, just. Yes. And, and let's just also get this out of the way. I know you're going to go first. But I'm going to let you, I'm going <laughs> to let you finish, but. Also, two-year-olds have a way of shaking things up. Yep. So I've never subscribed to like terrible twos, but I do think they're like unpredictable twos. And I've heard the saying, easy baby, hard toddler. And in mm. my case, it was true four out of five times. Yeah. And I was going to say, too, that if you are a bedtime routine and structure person, which you guys all know I was, and it sounds like Mason is, um, there's something just it just rocks your world when what you've done and what has worked for so long no longer works. Now, where you and I are in parenting, Megan, we know that this is going to happen. Like what what works for a while eventually is going to blow up and not work anymore. But yep. when it's your first yep. kid and you've been really structured about bedtime and they've been a really good sleeper, I remember this and I remember feeling like it was almost like personally insulting. Like, right, like I worked come on, so I put in the work. Like I put in the work. <laughs> I have the routine and like I don't deserve this. So I guess, first of all, we're just sort of empathizing and, you know, it's normal. I mean, almost all of our answers start with, yep, this is normal. It doesn't mean it's not difficult. So I want to really quickly um, give a couple of like specific ideas and anything with sleep, sleep training, routines. It's there's like we can't do it all in five or 10 minutes here um, because every kid is so different. What works for you and your family is so different. But I do have a couple of specific ideas. Um, one is to start the bedtime routine earlier. And I know that's probably not what you want to hear, but um, starting it earlier and making sure that you're not cutting short the sort of connecting time that's built into the routine, whether it's snuggles or story or talking, you know, the and I know that's hard to hear when you're nine months pregnant and you have a two-year-old, but um, you can trade off with a partner, whatever you have to do, but making sure that they, they still get that routine and start earlier if you think that there's going to be a battle because you don't want an overtired two-year-old the next day. So if, if you're going to have to go through this, you might as well kind of bump everything up and start the start the nonsense earlier is one idea. Um I would make sure that the toddler's getting plenty of kind of one-on-one -on -one time during the day, that their sort of emotional social cup is filled. You know, bedtime, a lot of the kind of anxieties come out at bedtime, behavior stuff comes out. So these are more just proactive things you could be doing. Um, another thing that we have done over various bedtime battles is make sure that the less desirable parent is doing the putting back in the room. And I'm Which I still is less desirable well, in it, your house. Well, it depends. It, it depends yeah. on the kid and it depends. You know how kids want mommy or they want daddy. Yeah, so um, this I feel like this way you're still responding and the child is still getting responded to. They're not getting ignored. Um, but you and I will tell one of my kids like, OK, mom's done for the night. If you call out again, it's going to be dad. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes Brian is the less desirable. Sometimes he's the one they want. So pick the less the the parent that's going to have less of a cause less of a reaction or less of a power struggle Um, is is what I was going to say. And I also will say, if you think there's going to be this battle, 
I would station yourself. If it were me, I, I stationed myself right outside the door. I had a mm-hmm. book or a podcast or something. And I just knew that for the next 45 minutes, this is what I was going to do. Because in the long term, my kids stayed in their bed. They don't come out at night. And so if you're willing to kind of do the work, I would be right outside the door so that the second they open the door, you just, and you'll read a lot of sleep training advice like this. You don't say much. You're not mad. You're not punishing them. You're making yourself super uninteresting. You just sort of put them back and then come back out. And you can do that as many times as you want. But I would probably not let that kid wander around upstairs for 10 or 15 minutes hoping he's going to go back on his own because the fact that you're having to go put him back is sort of giving him the reward he's looking for. Right. So he's sort of getting what he wants after 10 or 15 minutes. I would just put yourself right outside the door and put him back quicker every time. And it might take 45 minutes or an hour in the beginning. um, But at least you're not, you're sort of being more proactive about it. And then the last thing I was going to say, two is a little young for this, but not every two-year-old is the same. I am not above short-term not bribes, but working toward a goal with things like this where you get to decide what it looks like. But um, like you could decide that coming out of your room twice for an extra hug is okay, And anything more than two times, you don't get a sticker the next morning. You could do a sticker system where in the morning you get, you know, there's something that you're working toward. Five days of stickers in a row, you get to pick out a toy. Like, I don't think that's the same as bribing. I'm not a briber for behavior like all the time. But I think sometimes when a kid is working toward some kind of goal, and this is a goal to stay in your room, um, that some kids respond really well to that. Then And then you're working toward it, toward it together. I think two is a little young for that, but not all two-year-olds, you know, depends. Well, so I that was, was my really fast, say. like, <laughs> I, I was list. just going to say, I think it depends <clears throat> where in the two-year, in the second year or the third year, I suppose, that they right. are. Um, because one thing I liked about what you said, like giving them like two hugs or whatever. Yeah. I think you can decide what you're willing to give up. Like, where are you willing to um, bend a bit or yeah. be generous a bit to make them feel like they're winning a little bit? Yeah. I feel like that's so important for totally. like three-year-olds. And I do think two-year-olds often can understand the idea of if this, then that. Like, yeah. if I do this, then that will happen. And I feel like for often it's as long as they feel like they're being heard or they're getting something out of mm-hmm. it. Because- they don't want to put all the effort in to trying to escape either. Just right. <laughs> put back every time. Like they're trying to get something out of it. And I think that, you know, you can meet in the middle a little bit. And I think sometimes we can get really legalistic about that and think like, I set a limit and now I have to stick to it. And the limit is, you know, you've been put to bed and now you stay there. Right. But maybe there's some place that you can give. A yeah. Little, and yeah. and I think if you decide what that is proactively and still communicate the limit, it's not you're not giving in. Um, giving in is saying you have to stay in your room all night right. and, and then, then letting that, them watch TV right. with you because you're tired of going upstairs. But it's not giving in if you decide, OK, we're going to, you know, the, the new baby's about to come. We're actually going to have a new routine where mommy lies down with you. And maybe we fall asleep together for a little bit. That's right. I mean, that would be amazing for the two year old. And I don't think that's giving in if that's what you decide is is the routine that works for the family now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did I cut you off? Do you have more to say? I have nothing more to say because you're the (laughs) sleep expert of the two of us. (laughs) I am very structured about sleep. Um, And I did have kids escape their room more at nap time than bedtime. Um, My kids have always been more to the ones to call, keep calling out for us, more water, more potty, that whole, Mm. that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say it kind of ebbs and flows over the years. You'll have a seven-year-old who 
won't stay in their room or, you know. Well, I mean. that's what I was actually thinking when I when I first read Mason's um, question is just like, this isn't the first, this isn't the last yeah. time no. this is going to happen. This is going to happen again. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily worry too much about it affecting baby because yes. I think by the time it's an issue, like I think by the time your baby is at an age where it's an issue, this phase may have passed. Yeah. Totally. So hopefully, and I'm not promising anything, but hopefully the two of them will either go in and out of phases separately if yeah. you find it easier to deal with them separately, or they'll go into them together and then you can be miserable for a little while and yeah. then super happy for a little while. I, so. I also think anytime you're doing, I don't really like the phrase sleep training, but anytime you ha- you're having a sleep disruption and you're having to kind of work on it like this, make sure you're having lots of other other things during the day that's fun for you and the two-year-old, that you're bonding in other ways. It's not yes, easy when you're, you're, ha- not when you're having- you're not thinking about sleep all the time. Yeah, when yeah. you're having sleep struggles at night, it is it wears on you mentally and emotionally. And I think all moms know that. So just make sure you're- taking care of yourself in other ways, whether it's getting a little bit of extra rest, getting a break during the day or just or bonding with that two year old in ways so that you don't hate them. I hate to say that, but like, you know, when that such an intense power struggle that you want to make sure that you're continuing to connect in other ways. And another thing I was going to say really quickly is that, you know, if you're 35 weeks pregnant, Mason, and what Which if is you, like 38 you, now, because I right, think we got this. Right. Okay. So sorry. Sorry, Mason, you're 38 weeks pregnant now. Um, and if you are the less interesting parent, as Sarah said, that, you know, maybe it's your husband who should be parked outside the, the door. I think it's okay for you to use that time just to go take care of yourself. Because totally. you will then be like if you're napping or taking a bath or reading a book or whatever. Then finally, when he's down and you have the rest of the evening with your spouse, or maybe you put it off and you have a lunch with your spouse because you fell asleep. Yeah. I just think that it's going to pay off in your well-being. I don't, yeah. I, I've never felt like you need to sit every struggle out together. I agree. Parents. There is something to dividing and conquering. I agree. And and handling things separately so that the person who's not actively handling it can get some yeah. rest. I agree. I agree. Totally agree. And you're probably going to be the one up with the baby soon. Let's be honest. I'm yeah, sure exactly. you're, so I'm you sure are... your co-parent's really helpful. But... Yeah. You're putting in your time. You're putting oh. in your time. Oh, man. Been there. <laughs> um, also, I have a link here that I will put in the show notes. When we got a lot of these questions, and a couple of them are really do uh, invite some expert opinions, and you guys know we're not experts. So I have a couple of parenting experts that are my favorites, and I won't go into the articles, but I am going to link to them in the show notes. So I have a good one on this particular topic that we just covered. And our next topic, I actually have several. So make sure you guys check the show notes. And um, I have kind of my favorite parenting writers who do this for a living, um, and you can read what they have to say too. Real experts, you mean? Real experts. Not people sitting in their closet on Christmas Eve (laughs) or whatever day it is. Okay, should we do our next question? Yes. Okay, this one says, it's from Shoshana, and she says, Hi, Megan and Sarah. I recently found my seven-year-old has been lying more and more. Nothing dangerous, but definitely unfortunate. She told a teacher that her great-grandparent died one day. Not true. And the next day, when I found she hid something in her backpack, I told her not something in her backpack that I had told her not to take to school. She said, I don't remember how it got in there. Mm. Any advice on how to tackle this evolving bad habit? Oh, um... Well, the first thing I want to say is that this is very, very normal. normal. Do not worry that you are raising some, you know, kind a sociopath, of, like sociopath kids, especially seven. I actually remember telling some whoppers at seven and being very confused about whether they were true or not. And mm. I, I it's hard to remember. I don't remember being seven super clearly, but I rem- that's kind of one of the first years I remember um, in a more, I don't know, adult way, I yeah. guess, where it's not like I'm looking through this. 
um, foggy, almost like I'm looking at someone else, but I'm me. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I totally do. And I remember saying things sometimes that were just ridiculous. And I think, you know, and and developmentally by actual experts, this has been shown that like you're still figuring out what is fact and what is fiction at that age. You're still kind of sorting out like how the real world is separate from your fantasy world. So it is very normal. And I think sometimes getting a reaction of some sort mm-hmm. can make it become a little more embedded. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like a dangerous thing, like because the teacher said probably like, oh, my goodness. And then she got, you know, probably some kind of validation from that. Sure. That doesn't mean now she's going to go in and say her whole family died or something. <laughs> but I just think that when a kid gets a reaction that they're kind of looking for, yep. it kind of then opens the door to try a little like and it, it gives them a little rush of power, which probably yes. is what this particular seven-year-old, for whatever reason, is feeling right. like she wants a little agency, a little power in the world. And yeah, there's a little rush to thinking, I can sort of create yeah. my reality. Let's see yeah. how, let's see what people will buy. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I think is really tempting to do in, and probably is the worst thing you can do, is to like, like ask a leading question or back a kid into yes. a corner. Um I remember being backed into corners when I was a little kid, not by my mom. She was very savvy about that, but by other adults <laughs> in my life. And then it's like, you just stick to the lie. Yep. Cause you're so, not going to now give it up. So that actually, <laughs> that I'm glad you brought that up because I did read a couple articles on this because lying is a, is a tough one. I feel like that is a question that I, I wanted to know what the experts say, even though I know yeah. it's totally normal. And, and so I read up a little bit and across the board, one of the first pieces of advice is don't ask questions that invite a lie. You don't yeah. ask, did you clean your room? Like I asked you, you walk in and you say, huh, I noticed I you didn't clean your room. Let's <laughs> right. spend a little more time on that together before you go play. You don't ask, did you, you know, did you wash your hands after you went into the bathroom? You, you say, I know that you didn't wash your hands. Please go back and wash your hands. So that was, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause that was one of the ones in all three articles that I will link to is don't give opportunity to invite lies. Um, Another couple of things that came up is that kids who are punished for lying w- tend to lie more. That's just statistics. That's just the studies have shown yeah. um, and that they will get better at it. So as opposed to punishing, um, I think modeling honesty, really appraising a kid for honesty and talking about how it's not always easy to be honest. A lot of kids lie because they want to avoid getting in trouble. And that's like one of the big drivers, especially not a three or four year old who's just making stuff up, but but a seven or eight year old who's They're getting savvier, but they're not savvy enough to be good at it yet. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know how that got in my backpack. (laughs) But a huge driver um, is that they are they're trying to avoid disappointing us or avoid getting in trouble. So if we can make it safe to tell the truth and in your own way, you know, compliment them when when you say, you know, I know that was hard to admit. I know I know it's not easy to tell you the truth. I'm really proud of you for telling the truth. So praising the truth, um, not giving not letting them get into situations where lying is convenient, like we talked about. Um, And yeah, and the studies do do show that, like you said, the bigger the reaction or the kids who are punished for lying um, tend to get better at it and do it more to avoid punishment because it's a successful a lot of times too and this came up in the reading is like you said with fantasy reality a lot of times lying is wish fulfillment so i'm not sure that a a great grandparent dying is wish fulfillment that's a little bit but having something for people to feel sympathy for you totally having something having attention so if you can (laughs) if you can pay attention to that and not that you're going to fulfill that that wish that they lied about but maybe they are feeling like they 
they wish they had a little con- more control in their life. Or maybe yeah. they, you know, and you can say, you know, I, I know you really wish that were true. Not, again, the grandparent is a terrible example. You really but, wish great granny was <laughs> No. She's not. <laughs> but, you know, you really wish you had won that award yeah. or whatever it is. Um, so I don't know. Those were the things that came up in the reading that I did. And you basically kind of touched on them all without. Well, an I have to also say I'm not an expert and I didn't and I didn't read any expert advice before I started answering this. So <laughs> I have no idea if this next little snippet I'm going to share is of expert value or not. But I will say that Clara, now who is eight, um, has been lying a little bit to me lately. Mm-hmm. And then she rats on herself. Because oh, Clara has a lot of anxiety. She does not like to do the wrong thing. She does not like to do the wrong thing yeah. either. So she's both anxious and she's a total rules follower. Mm-hmm. But it's been things like, I'll say, did you, her job is to feed all the pets. And I'll mm-hmm. say, did you feed the pets? And she says, yes. And then a couple minutes later, she'll come in and say, actually, actually, I only fed the dog. Now, the funny thing is, at any point, she could have just gone and fed the cat and the hamster and it would have made <laughs> right. it true. And I right. never would have known the difference. Right. You know? But what I've taken to doing is just saying, oh, well... That's kind of a silly thing to lie about. Why, why, why did you not just tell me the truth? And then what she'll say is, well, because I had already, you know, just, just, just an example, but she said, um, I'd already fed one pet. So it was kind of true. Mm. And I didn't want to stop what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to tell you that I did it. So you would let me finish. And so I said, oh, okay, well, next time what you could say is, yeah, I'm going to, I want to, is it okay if I finish this thing first? Yeah. And I think what I learned from that is that she takes so much to heart. If I say, hey, Clara, can you X, Y, Z? Right. She thinks she has to do X, Y, Z right. Like, right now, right. immediately. And really what I'm saying is it, this needs to happen, but right. we've got some leniency. It doesn't have to happen right this But minute. what I love is you played out how it could have gone differently without punishing her, shaming right. her, so right. that next time she knows she's not going to get in trouble for saying no or for saying, right. can I finish this? You've sort of given her permission to do that so she doesn't have to lie. And that, I think, is... What seems like the way out of this, as opposed to right. making a huge deal. The- and it's a little thing, but <clears throat> to kids, nothing is little necessarily. <clears throat> right. They don't see like one request you make as being, even if I just make it, I'm not even paying attention. I actually don't care if she feeds the cat right, right. now. She doesn't know that. Right. To her, all things I say are equal, have equal weight. So. And I think yeah. um, saying just like saying that in our family, we tell the truth is like that's it's easy to say, but kids are kids are savvy. And if they are picking up that there are half truths or some BS going on, right. you know, in the family, they pick up on that. So it is a it's a little bit of a good gut check to make sure that we are being honest with our kids, yeah. you know, where every time we can be and that we're talking about how telling the truth is hard and maybe sharing times when. It's not easy for us to tell the truth, but it was the right thing to do. So if your yeah. kids are hearing the, are hearing you call them in sick when you're going to Disneyland for the day, you know, that's your ultimately that's your choice. Um, <laughs> right. But I, I think I really do try and look for opportunities to have my kids see me telling the truth when it's not particularly convenient or comfortable, because that's yeah. that is that's where they're going to learn it in the end. And I have to I have to throw in a plug for what you know is already I've already told you is my favorite book of all time is The Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Oh yeah. And I, I need to read it. read it. I have I read it but like literally in 8th grade and I haven't read it since. Okay. Well, do you remember the scene where Francie lie, tells a mm. big lie because she wants to get a doll? No. Okay. I have terrible memory. Well, there's for... a scene where she's little, not that little, maybe 9 or 10. No, she couldn't be that little. She I think the book starts when she's 11. So she's like 11 okay. or 12. And she tells a big lie, a public lie because she wants to get this doll. Okay. And then has terrible guilt about it. And then at some point, 
a like an adult let's kind of lets her off the hook okay it's really well written and it's really just about wish fulfillment it's yeah. like yeah. you wanted it to be true so yeah. much you know yeah. and and that i think kids of all ages it doesn't mean they're immoral <laughs> you no know? it doesn't or like, it's not like a moral failing on your part or no. theirs and i guess i just wanted to like that's a really good piece of literature that i think oh, did I really well at understanding what it's like to live inside a kid's brain yeah yeah i love that i want to re- read that book thank you for reminding me reread it over christmas we're going on all vacation right. now <laughs> almost well shoshana that's a really good question i we have not tackled a question on that and that's a really common one so thank you for asking that question Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, is it your turn to I think set it's up my next turn, question? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just have to tell you, my cat will not leave me alone. <laughs> I wish I could capture her purr. Maybe I can. I'm gonna hold the. I'm gonna hold my mic up to her, her purr box. Can this be in the show, please? Yeah, no, this is. Yeah, this is totally going in the show. I'm not putting this out. <laughs> but she's. You can't hear her purr. Oh, uh, she's ridiculous. Like she won't stop. Okay, moving on. Okay. Um, here we go. This one's from Beth. In Ontario. Hi, Megan and Sarah. Oh, she says some nice stuff about the podcast. And, and she also listens to read us at 
1.5 speed, which makes that me is so funny. Okay, I'm gonna actually read out. this. She says, "I've been listening on 1.5 speed, so in my head, you are really fast talkers." <laughs> I actually am kind of a fast talker. No, we so both I bet are. We both are. speed. We just sound ridiculous. Um, but anyway, she says, "Here's the question." I am a mother of a two-year-old and a four-month-old who are almost exactly two years apart, less a few days. My question is how to put a baby to bed or nap with a toddler running around. I often want worry about the toddler in the other room while I'm trying to get the baby to sleep. Oof, man, I lived in this. And, you know, Sarah, you and I handle this very, very differently. I fear that my advice isn't great. No, I, I think is, it's just, yeah, it's, this isn't one where it's like, however it works, do it. So I think right. your advice will be. My advice was always like pile up in a bed. Yeah. And in my days when I was doing this, we didn't even have iPads. Right. So, so you didn't even have like, here, I'll sit over there with this iPad and right. I'm just going to like nurse the baby and you deal with that. You know, it was more like you had to have something going on for the two-year-old or you had to try to get the two-year-old down first. Right. Yes. And then put the baby down. Yes. That was my strategy generally, but sometimes I will admit we all just got in the bed together and laid there. <laughs> and I did my best. I would find ways to kind of barricade the two-year-old in my room and then just beg him to be quiet yeah. while I put the baby down. So I'm not sure those are really, that's very good advice, except it is the, like, uh, this isn't, you know, this isn't going to last forever, but what yeah. you're in right now is really tough. Yeah. So I do remember this as well. And my first two are exactly two years apart, two years and a month. Um, I will say that not all two-year-olds are created equal. I don't know how yours were, but I had some two-year-olds that really I didn't have to worry about if they were out of my sight. Like I could kind of hear them bopping around and my house was baby proofed, but it wasn't like they were going to be swinging from the ceiling fans. And then I had one that would be swinging from the ceiling fans. I'm not exaggerating when I say I still have that feeling. Violet is almost five. And I still sometimes get that feeling like, oh, my God, where is she? Like, I can't, <laughs> like she, it is not good if she's out of my sight. Not anymore. But it took a long time. So maybe this is a particularly, um, a, you know, adventurous two-year-old. But I, I do think that it, it goes relatively quickly from when the, you can't let them out of your sight at all to where they could maybe be playing in the next room. Um, but yeah, I think this is a hard one. I like the idea of putting a two-year-old down first and then putting the baby down. But that comes down to a schedule or a question of schedules. And maybe it is, that's and, not and you the can't schedule. guarantee that. No. Um, I also did a lot of like you piled into beds. I would pile into a big, you know, we had a big rocking chair. I mm -hmm. think you can the baby doesn't care what stories are read or what the routine right. is necessarily. A four month old is still pretty flexible. Um, so I would probably kind of start with what are the toddler's needs and what are the what's the toddler's routine look like? Yeah. Um, and, and like, yeah, the, a four month old pretty soon is going to be, you know, a nine month old or a one year old. And those, those guys kind of need their routine a little bit more, but I feel like at four months, they're still relatively flexible. And they're a little more flexible. I remember my four month old still falling asleep in the um, baby swing. Yeah, I remember totally. I, rem I have a very distinct memory of sitting in the bathroom on the toilet with my two year old in the tub <laughs> And the baby in a bouncy seat and me bouncing the baby to sleep with my foot yeah. while I cleaned the baby's hair yeah. or the toddler's hair. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's like the four month old in this situation is the more flexible. I think so. So I they think they sleep it, more, but they'll fall asleep more easily. 
Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, when it's your second baby, you have all of these expectations to do things like you did with your first baby. So with your first baby, they might have gotten a bath and a massage and a story and a song and all of that before every before every nap and every bed. And the reality is that the second baby probably will not, but they'll be more flexible for it. Yeah. Um, I think whatever you can do to have like physically safe space for the two-year-old to play. So I know a lot of people recommend having like a special basket of books or a special thing of toys that the two-year-old gets to play with just when you're nursing or putting the four-month-old down. I think that can work. I think sometimes those those ideas burn out fast. And then right. like you forgot to get the special basket down from the closet. And, you know, yep. so some of it is just grinning and bearing. It, I don't it know. is. Oof. Two and four months. That's tough. It is. So hang in there. We're with you. Yes. And it will get better. It will. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So our last question comes to us from practically the North Pole, since we're recording wow. this Christmas okay. week. No, it comes from the north of Sweden, um, from Ariel. And she wrote us a really sweet, really long letter. She also told us that she and her friends have monthly dinner parties to discuss our podcast. I might be kind of paraphrasing that. Ooh, but like That like, puts me in a lot. That's like a lot of pressure. That Right? I hope what we say is intelligent <laughs> yeah um no i thought that was really cool like they kind of That's do book club though. style yes, around you. parenting topics maybe kind of inspired by right. our yeah, podcast yeah. hopefully you know they're not actually just they're using... probably just criticizing my hair or something yeah. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> we can't see your hair it's audio <laughs> um okay so i'm not gonna read the whole letter but i'm gonna paraphrase her question she has an eight and a seven year old they're 12 months and five days apart so irish to little irish twins twins, going on there um but i'm gonna distill her question down because i think it's a really good one she's obviously a very intentional mom she has some limits of screen time after school like they're only allowed to do a certain amount but her question is she's her kids when they have quote-unquote leisure time like let's say they're not allowed to do screens anymore their homework's done whatever She's wishing that they would get into more um, like run outside and play, ride bikes, build with Legos. And she finds that they're kind of just listing around or not doing the things that she kind of wishes they would gravitate to. And so the really the heart of her question is, how do you find the balance between letting the child do what they want or encouraging them to do what she thinks as a parent is best mm. for them. Now that I think is a really good question because That's a great question. Megan, as your kid, my kids are barely just getting into these ages where they really do have more self-directed time. I mean, you could say that your three-year-old has self-directed play, but it, you're still having to be very much there and involved. Whereas we might have a weekend where my nine and seven-year-olds, you know, they're not, they're not driving themselves to play dates yet, but they really have a lot of control over how they spend their time. They can go play with neighbors. They can go outside. Um, and I I really relate to this of there's sometimes yep. you'll see that your kid is doing something that you think, God, I wish they would just get up and go ride a bike. So I have I yep. have one kid in particular who's very sedentary. He would he was happy playing Legos and talking to himself for like six hours at a time, which I think there's a lot of great things about that. But I do find myself feeling like I need to kind of balance that by getting him to be more physically active. Now, there's other kids who are super physically active and, you know, you want them to sit down and read a book. So I I just think this is such a good question because it is a balance. And I want to know what you have to say. Well, <laughs> yeah, I have a lot to say about this. Um, hopefully I won't ramble on too much. Go for I it. think that it's, first of all, very, very normal to kids for kids to slip into doing what's comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And TV or video games for most kids these days is very comfortable. 
Yeah. They're savvy. They understand how it works. It creates um, the feeling of having done something without actually doing anything, mm -hmm. which I think is why the internet is so <laughs> appealing for adults as well. Like it, it gives us that instant gratification or those instant like little dopamine hits. Yeah. Right. Um, I think sometimes, so that's one thing. I, I think the whole idea of you having to be the one to enforce turning off the TV sometimes is probably not going to change. No. Because I don't think kids, especially kids who are wired that way, are going to just naturally turn it off themselves and break themselves out of that. Yeah. Um, and that was one thing she mentioned. She kind of wished that they would have this internal drive to to, to just do it themselves. Vary their and activities instead of like. Especially at that age. Yeah. I just don't see that happening. I, agree. I think you're you're going to probably have to be that initiative and not and not to um, hope that they'll do that themselves for the majority of kids. Unless whatever it is they'd be doing instead is that much more appealing to them, like reading right. or whatever. Even kids who are big readers can get sucked into like the more passive. Yeah. Um, the more passive thing. Um, so there's that. There's <laughs> there's also the idea, I think, that kids need a transition time. So you might turn the TV off and it's almost like they have to be sort of bored and aimless yes. for a long time I before totally they figure agree. out what they're going to do next. So yes. there's like that rolling be... around, you know, yes. they're like, they're not even, ver they're not even vertical. They kind of like, no, they literally just... like lay on the floor and like roll <laughs> yes. around. It's weird. Yes. And it's like, they need that. They, they, they can't transition as quickly as we would like them to, because frankly, they're not that interested in doing that other thing. It doesn't mean they won't get into it, but right now, they would really like to still be watching TV or playing a video game. So right. it's like they need that built-in transition time. And then the, I guess the third thing I would say is I think for parents who are super intentional, it's really easy to kind of overestimate how much time our kids are doing things that we sort of, um, we sort of classify as not valuable. Mm -hmm. And I just want to put it out there that they may be doing more valuable things than you are aware of because yep. you're hyper-focused on the stuff that you don't think is as valuable. Mm -hmm. So just to throw that out there, and I, I'm not saying one way or the other, that might be, not be the case, but I, I think sometimes we can get like almost panicky about things like screen time and yeah. stuff that we, you know, or like you were saying, like the obsession with Legos or the obsession with being outside to the, you know, ex uh, to the um, exclusion of everything else. Like, I think sometimes we can overestimate that a little bit in our heads or inflate that a little bit in our heads. But I think that the transition time, the need for us to still be in control of it in the transition time thing is pro are probably the two things that she could actually take action on now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you have been kind of good inspiration for me in this area, especially with older kids and teens, because you have said multiple times on this show that there's value in a kid getting kind of like obsessively into one thing for a yes. while or going through a phase. And I'm not saying like probably not the iPad is the thing to spend eight hours a day doing, but I don't think that's what Ariel, I think she's pretty clear about her screen time limits, but it's almost as if once they're done with their screen time, she wants them to have this neatly balanced um, diet of, you know, physical activity, playing the piano, um, right. reading. And I, you have just been, I think, really wise about how it's really natural for kids to, first of all, some of it is just ingrained. Some kids are going to gravitate toward more sedentary or more cerebral things. Other kids are more physical. Other kids are more artistic. But also, it's not a bad thing to sort of let them pursue those paths, um, especially if it's something that's relatively healthy. And I think as a mom, you know when it 
when it veers into unhealthy, you know, the kid is withdrawn or they're irritable or they're anxious. And then maybe they do need more time outside or more social time or less social time. Are they overstimulated? But I think you probably have a pretty good sense for that. And I think we we get this like kind of external need to impose a I'm picturing like the color wheel of like a balanced Mm. diet. You know what I mean? Like 30 percent physical activity and um, all of that. And that I feel like is what I have worked pretty hard to just let go of, because think about think about the upsides of letting a kid really get into whatever they're into um, drawing or make believe or it's called being in a flow state. And it's very mm -hmm. hard for parents. It's, It's really hard for adults to get into that. I wish I could get into the kind of flow state I could yeah. get into when I was a kid and I could read for six hours at a yeah. time or write for six hours at a time yeah. or play make believe for six hours at a time or whatever it was. I I like envy that now because yeah. my time and my focus is so much more fractured right. as an adult. And I think that's really natural and normal to be drawn to something uh, almost obsessively yeah. to the exclusion of other things. Yeah. And I don't think it's, I think that we have this idea of balance and being well-rounded, but right. like you and I always say, Sarah, it's about the big picture. Yeah. Over the course of their lives, did they do something besides play Legos? Well, yeah. if then yes, <laughs> great, you know, but it doesn't have to be every day. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like perfectly like, yeah, like a pie chart. I, I agree. And I also think uh, the age of her kids is interesting here because seven, well, first of all, they're very close in age, which means she was hands-on busy for all of her time with her kids for a long, long time. And I have had this sensation in the last few years where all of a sudden you realize like your kids are all relatively happy doing something and you realize you become kind of irrelevant. You (laughs) forgot how, like what you should do with that time. So, Mm -hmm. and then you start noticing like, oh man, I wish Joey would get off the couch and get a little more physical or I wish. So it's almost like I would encourage her to claim that time as her own because her kids do have something that they enjoy. Now, once they, I, we've kind of talked about the getting off of the screens after an hour, but, yeah. but even then, if what they want to do is roll around on the floor and look at the ceiling, like as long as they're not bothering you, you get, that, that's your time back. Like take exactly. it. So yes, take um, I think, time. I think there's probably a little bit of the fact that this is a transition. She has had to be such a hands-on parent for so long with yes. two kids spaced so closely that it's kind of weird that now there's they are more self-directed and you find yourself being like well they could be doing this or we could be doing this enriching activity and I think you can let a little bit of that go because it sounds like she's already really thoughtful about how she does things Mm -hmm. and so pat yourself on the back and then if they're happy no matter what they're doing let them do it and do some do something and to add on to that Sarah I think as well (laughs) if if she takes the initiative herself to use that time and use it for herself they'll see that yes and that is also great modeling so they'll see her doing whatever it is she wants to do and maybe it'll be one night cooking and maybe the next night some kind of art you know who knows but she might also find that it inspires one or or both of her kids to um shadow her a little bit totally learn more about what she's doing so there's lots of ways to make that happen in your house without having to like necessarily kind of have a rule around it totally and also this is sort of shameful but do you know what else I do if my kids are uh, kind of getting squirrely at home and you know I'm mostly a homebody I love to putter around my house but if the kids are starting to get bickery or bored I just invent something that's not that fun and I say something (laughs) like okay so it's up to you guys do you guys want to stick around here for a little bit and do your own thing or do you want to come with me to the post office and they're they're like we want to stay here I'm like okay well then find something to do leave me alone (laughs) yeah and I know it's not like a 
threat because I'm real sneaky about it. But I'm like, right. okay, so we could either go to the gym. They right. like our gym childcare, <laughs> yeah. but they don't. They don't like beg to go there. Right. So I'll be like, okay, well, I was gonna go to the gym, but if you guys, if you, if you're really, want, if you're happy here and you're gonna play nicely together, I guess we could stay here and I could get stuff done. <laughs> so I totally do love that. it. Um, okay, so I think we can wrap up. This is really good. These are really good questions. Um, they were really good. So be sure to check the show notes at themomhour.com, especially with our first two questions about escaping at bedtime and lying. Um, I have some really good articles for you guys um, by real experts. Um, <laughs> so that's at themomhour.com. And this is our final episode of 2017. And when we were waiting to record, I just did the quick math and we put out more than 60 hours of Mom Hour content wow. this year. That's amazing. Between 60 and 70 hours just in 2017 so high five to us for hopping on the mic big old high five week after week and this is yeah this is our last episode of 2017 which is crazy crazy (sighs) so we will be back with you guys next week like talking about what we did in 2017 yeah we'll do a little new year uh retro old year and new year retrospective next week so we will talk to you guys then The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom, and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.